the word yes. Yes, 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 and amen. Amen means yes. And the thing is, is we're saying yes to so many different things in our lives. But are we saying yes to the right things? And are we saying no to the right things? Well, the answer to that question will determine greatly. And if you're living the life of the book that he has for you. That's coming up next year on the Turned On Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. Angelique. David. It's not fair. I have longer syllables. I know, but... Steve Winwood, guys. Here's the thing. When you see a chance, I love this because I always look for inspiration in music, and sometimes just a, a simple chorus can remind us, you know? When, when we see a chance, we're supposed to take it. As we fade out here, you know, there's so many things in my life that I just... I was scared and I said yes to, you know, things that really challenged me. And, and, and some people could look at this the wrong way, but I said yes before I really knew how I was going to tackle it because I knew in my spirit that God was prompting me to take a chance, um, whether it be someone, you know, speaking in front of a large group of people that I knew I was going to be nervous. Um, the first time I remember our Angelique, someone came in and I was on the phone and they're telling me about their, they want to get married. And I get off the phone call and you said, what? You said, remember? Did you just agree to marry somebody? And I said, yeah. And you said, what? Have, what, you, like, like, have you ever done this before like, that like, I don't know about? Is there something that, about you that I don't know? <laughs> and, Are you a priest? Yeah. And I said, no, but I got to I gotta, I gotta figure it out. I want to do it. You know, it means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just other opportunities in life. Um, you know, I mean, we, we talked about me ta- take, teaching Zumba, and that's just it's a silly one. <laughs> but it did take a stretch. Um Certainly, there's bigger issues in our life. You know, there's things that we have to take a chance on. We we've moved and we've take chance we've taken chances on that. Yeah. Um, jobs. We're all going through transition right now. That's why I feel today is such an important topic, guys. If we look back at the Steve Winwood lyrics to this song, he says, "When some cold tomorrow finds you, when some sad old dream reminds you, how the endless road un- endless road unwinds you. When you see a chance, take it." Because that old gray wind is blowing, and when there's nothing left worth knowing, 
and it's time you should be going. So time is of the essence. Mm. Angelique, we know that we've talked about it over and over before. Sometimes we get caught lingering in a place we should be passing through. Mm. We've also talked about um, regret is sometimes the biggest pain. Regret of, I didn't take an opportunity. I didn't take a chance. I wasn't bold enough, or I didn't prepare hard enough when the opportunity presented itself. You know, there's simple little things that a sense of urgency, a sense of empowerment reminds us that we have to be ready when the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, I I guess, you know, my struggle with that is, and and I say struggle lightly, it's just, my struggle with um, making sure that we're really clear with what we're sharing here. Um, the last thing we want to do is give advice to say yes to everything. No, the answer, the word no, is is in just as powerful. Uh, we just want to make sure we're saying yes and no to the right things. And the problem is, the biggest problem is we're having a harder time hearing from God as to what needs to be a clear yes and what needs to be a clear no. And I believe that that reason is our proximity to him has been wildly disrupted and disconnected, and he's trying to fight for the bandwidth. And unfortunately, it's because the proximity of things to us are trivial. There's so There is so much input and so much daily interruption that we start saying yes to the wrong things because we think, oh, maybe that's it, you know, like, it, you know, and that's why we're always looking for some big grand sign from God to do mm-hmm. something. You're like, no, <laughs> he's not micromanaging and he's certainly not going to, nec- he does not gonna necessarily send you a big sign. Like you just, we have to be good stewards and be clear and awake as to, you know, what those clear yeses and no's should be simply because we understand him and what he calls us for, which, which is, you know, I think a battle for most of us. Well, let me, let me play, and I forgive, I don't know this pastor's name, so forgive me, pastor, if you hear this, but I, I did find it and it speaks exactly to that. So let's just play this little part here. I believe on the regular, God is whispering and prompting and inviting each and every one of us to be a part of his grander story of redemption. The problem is, is for many of us, we often are too distracted, Mm. too insecure, uh, too kind of like stressed or overwhelmed or just, just not even having an ear tuned to heaven. And what's so beautiful in this moment is when you see God whispering to Ananias and he's like, yes, Lord. And then God, in his kindness, gives Ananias some clear next steps. Looks what the text. So I, I like when he says, uh, so much of that what he says, um, but insecurities. Um, we don't think we're ready or good enough. Distractions. Distractions, you know, and I've had said it time and time again. You know, most of us would like to get that clear word from God where we feel like he's just knocking on our door, um, but sometimes that doesn't happen. In Matthew six thirty three, it says what? But first seek what? The kingdom. First seek the kingdom. <laughs> first seek the kingdom and the righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you guys. Angelique, you know that you love to speak about order mm. and the divine order. Mm. Notice it doesn't say that God will start doing amazing things for you, and then you'll be inspired to follow him. 
There's an order there. You first seek the kingdom. You first open your ears and ask God to speak to you. What are you saying to me? I'm patient. I'm listening. I'm open. My house is in order. And then they will be added to you. They don't get added to you first and then say, okay, now I'm a believer. God, he's He's asking you for his ear. And here's a crazy part. I was in the barber shop yesterday, and the barber was talking about his wife wanting him to, to get his ears cleaned out. And I, well, I mean, look, but it's it's one of those things. I was joking at him. I said, yeah, but then you're going to lose every excuse you've ever had when, when your wife tells you something. You say, babe, I didn't hear you, right? You're going to have perfect hearing. Wow. But imagine this analogy, guys. Imagine you did go to get your ears cleaned out, and and then all of a sudden your hearing was that much clearer and better. You would be like, Where's oh my God, my you like, for yeah. 10 years I could have been hearing like this, I could have been listening like this, mm-hmm. but your ears were not clean. And we can use a sports analogy here. We go back to Tom Brady. I love Tom Brady because Tom Brady was a, a sixth-round draft pick, insignificant. Nobody thought he was going to make it. He prepared himself, okay? He prepared himself. And they already had a great quarterback. They already had an all-pro quarterback in New England. They already had a guy that had taken them to the Super Bowl. And and Tom Brady, if he wasn't prepared, if he wasn't listening, if he wasn't studying, then when they called on him during injury, he wouldn't have been ready. And so we can take that sports analogy. We know that, you know, if, if God is a coach, right, and he is our coach, um, and you're not ready doing the studying on your own, being in shape on your own, you know, in football, the coach roams the sidelines, and there's, you know, dozens of players there. When he's looking around, he's not going, where's that player on the edge of the bench picking his fingernails with his head looking down? Where's that guy? No, he's looking for the person that's been there that he knows is prepared, that's ready. Now, it doesn't mean he doesn't take people that are unsuspecting. Right. You know, it's not a general rule. But what we're trying to say here is we have to be prepared, and there is a sense of urgency. You know, um, Angelique, you brought up this story uh, this morning of when Jesus' parents were looking for in the, him in the temple. And what did you say? Yeah, he was 12. So uh, this was, I mean, I've read this a thousand times. And it's just, it struck me so differently this morning where, um, you know, his, his parents had left town and they were gone for three days. They, he was supposed to be in company with them. And they were like sorrowful, you know, searching for him. And they finally, they found him in the temple. And he was like, how, what are you so upset for? You know, don't you know that I'm, I'm about my father's business. And, you know, all the years that I've read that and many times I've done, of course he's about his father's business. You know, he's the son of God. So it just, it was an obvious answer, but I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> when his parents came back for him, he was, a. don't you know, I am going to be about my father's business. Well, his father's our father. So when he comes back for us, are we going to be about our father's business? Or are we about someone else's business, someone else's idea, um, someone else's drama, someone else's concepts, uh, someone else's instruction? Are we Look, we've got the world's conversations in our eyeballs all day long, and that's the difference, the proximity. He was so close with his father. He was so key because he walked in step with the Holy Spirit. He he could have tripped up, but he didn't. And we trip up all the time, and there's grace. So how do we take this moment and say, okay, you know what? 
okay, you're, you're on to something, Ange. Like, how many things am I saying yes to right now? How many things am I putting in my eyeballs and my earballs all day that are disrupting me from being about my father's business? I want you to think about that. I mean, every time I pick up my phone, I'm saying yes to the world and I'm, and I'm putting God off. Every time I shrink down because I feel insecure because I can't do it like someone else or I can't show up like someone else or I don't have what they have, I'm saying yes to the world and I'm putting God off. It's the power of proximity. What are we putting in front of us that is fighting for this bandwidth, that is fighting for the yes that God has for us, yet we're saying yes to everything else? And we're not being about our Father's business because we haven't even gotten clear on what that is. And that's the, that's the lifelong struggle. The gospel is sufficient. So if we start there, I think we're off to the, a good start. Yeah. You know? Well, let's, let's look at this, what's going on, and, and use another analogy. So our daughters are competing in Taekwondo, and there's a couple different disciplines. Um, and, you know, one is called forms, right, which you basically you go through the forms, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a series of forms that you go through. Um, and the other one is sparring. Now, in sparring, there's a lot of variables, there's a lot of things that can happen. You don't know who your opponent's going to be, how, how big they are, what belt sometimes they're going to be ranked ahead of you. Um, and there's some things you don't have control of. So when we talked to our daughters, we said, control the things that you can control. Like before you go doing a bunch of different things and picking up a new weapon and trying to learn something else, mm-hmm. get your forms right. Imagine if, because that's what you can practice. That's how you'll be ready. And you can control that through discipline. You can control that through repetition. So whatever you're doing right now, you can control through discipline, through repetition. That way, when the fight comes, you're ready. And Angelique, tell them why you do forms. It's not just to do forms. What's the purpose behind it? Um, well, obviously, it's to uh, perfect and strengthen uh, you know, various techniques, everything from a punch to a knife hand strike to ridge hands to back fists to front kicks, round kicks, side kicks, spin hook kicks, the whole nine. So you're, you're perfecting these things. But they have, an, they have an order on the floor and in our style, those that order um, of each belt from white to black creates a, a symbol, a star. And um, the the reason you're doing it is it's act, it's acting as if you're in a real situation. So I might be facing this way with one opponent, opponent and I uh, I block and strike and kick, and then I turn the other direction because there's someone else over here, and I block and strike and kick. And so it's just, it's a, it's a simulation, basically, of, you know, a real combat or situation. Yeah, so you prepare, practice, yeah. without battle. So when you get in battle and you get called, you're ready. Correct. You know, and when we look back on life, when we look back and we say to in my speak up group, I had this one question, and I usually saved it for the last um, the last session. I said, hypothetically, what I want you to do is I want you to pick somebody, and I would call on somebody, and I would say, ask somebody else on the screen, uh, hypothetically, let's say it's ninety years from now and you lived a great life, right, or it's fifty years from now, whatever. And you're you've lived a wonderful life, and you're on your deathbed, and somebody comes to you and says, "What's your greatest regret?" You know. And it would get people crying. I didn't spend enough time with my children. I didn't go visit the places I wanted to. I didn't write the book. I didn't I didn't pursue my passions. And it got grown men crying because the greatest thing that we can do is is achieve. 
what's in our heart, what God calls us to do. The thing that it will hurt us the most is not using the talent and feeling like we had something to give, but we didn't give it. When we look back on what Steve Winwood wrote, again, when that old gray wind is blowing, meaning when you're old and gray and there's nothing left worth knowing, you've, you've done it all, you've seen it all, and it's time you should be going, will there be some a chance that you could have taken that you didn't? Now, Steve Winwood's good. Those are lyrics, right? We've played a pastor before who was I thought was had a great point about why we get distracted. But before we get into three specific things that you can do in the power of yes and what that's going to mean to your life because we're going to lay it out for you here in a second. Actually there's more than 3, but I'm going to I'm going to focus on 3 and I'll tell you where you can find the rest. Before we get to that, I need you to listen to this. I don't know what motivates you, but I and I don't want to scare you, but I do want to give you right now a kick in the rear end. For all of you out there who have something on your heart, who have desires and want to achieve something, whether it's to learn a second language, play an instrument, spend more time with your children, start a new job, buy a new house, move to a new area, and all of you that are finding reasons to procrastinate or not to say yes, I need to put inside of you a sense of urgency. And I'm going to use one of my favorite pastors of all time, a man who's very well known and has a way with words, Pastor Billy Graham. Now, this is about three minutes. Angelique's going to take notes. Okay, I want you to take notes. It's three minutes of how little time we have to figure these things out. And it's a kick in the butt. It's a... It's a get going right now. I cried listening to it. Stop waiting. Stop looking around for permission. Stop giving yourself reasons why not to do something and get moving. Three minutes with Billy Graham, and then we'll discuss. Time is short. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. If I told, if someone had told me when I was 20 years old that life was very short and would pass just like that, I wouldn't have believed it. And if I tell you that, you don't believe it either. I cannot get young people to understand how brief life is, how quickly it passes. It seems like yesterday I was in school. Every one of us here has been given the same amount of time in a day. 1,440 minutes a day, 168 hours per week. What a thing it is when you think that you have just one short life to spend and it'll soon be over. I'd write down my priorities in life. And I'd get committed to certain priorities. Now is the accepted time. The things we ought to do, the classes we ought to take, the books we ought to read. Do it now. The family that needs you, spend more time now. Write that letter home now that you've been meaning to write. Money you ought to give, give now. Time for study, do it now. People you ought to witness to, do it now. Every time the clock ticks, it seems to say now, today, if you will hear his voice. Because there's a warning to time. Time is running out for all of us. Time is too short for indecision and vacillation. Do not halt between two opinions. 
fools say that time is long. Every morning we have 86,400 seconds to spend and to invest. And each day the bank named time opens a new account for you and for me. It allows no balances and no overdrafts. If you fail to use the day's deposits, the loss is yours. The Bible says redeem the time because the days are evil. And the days in which we're living are very evil. If there was ever a time for the gospel that can transform the human heart, it's now. Jesus said, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him that sent us. The night is coming when no man can work. The night is going to come in your life. Yet there was a serenity about the work of the Lord Jesus. It's the quality of life, not the length. Jesus only had 33 years. And it ended on the cross. To the world, he was a failure at that moment. Yet at the end of his life, he said, I finished the work that thou gavest me to do. It doesn't matter whether you live another year or two years or five years. Will your work be finished? Is there a quality to it? Is there a dedication to it? Suppose all of our members tithe their time to witness for Christ as we tithe our income for the church. Fill your heart with the word of God. I've found that those who know the scriptures are the ones that have the power today. But we need men and women who walk with God. And if you do that, you too can finish the work that God gave you to do. And help us to realize the brevity and the urgency of time. And may we invest what little time we have in the kingdom of God. Urgency. Chills. You know, sometimes, especially when you're young, he, he started off talking about young people. And we do take time and life for granted. We're going to live forever. Uh, death seems so far away when you're in your early 20s. I'm going to look like this forever. I'm going to feel like this forever. And then... All this I'm feeling right now is significant forever. You reach the middle of the road like we are. And you start to put those things more in focus. You realize that time is precious. And then we were talking to my parents the other day who are in their early 80s. Mm-hmm. And my mom was worried about traveling and as she usually likes to worry about things. And what did my dad say? <laughs> He's like, I'm not worried about it. He's like, I'll jump out of an airplane right now with a parachute on. <laughs> He's just like, what do I have to lose? Yeah, what do I have to lose, <laughs> you know? And and as we look at these things, what we're talking about, that should have been a powerful reminder of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy Graham said, you have to be committed to your priorities. He yeah. said, every day we wake up and we have 86,400 seconds and we make a deposit in that bank of life, but there are no balances or overdrafts. If you fail to use that day's deposits, they are lost. There is no uh, runover minutes. There's, you know, yeah. you have to use it. And and then he said something I'm very passionate about. He says, the world is evil today. We have to get the word out. We have to use the gospel because Jesus says the night is coming when no man can work. And then we have to be able to say, you know, I am finished as well, good and faithful servant when we when we go. What have we done with our time? Yeah. If it's volunteering, if it's saying to somebody you love them, um, but more importantly, your vocation. What are you using your gifts for? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, that's like, that's a whole season that I could go off on. 
uh, you know, in, in terms of working in our gifts and I guess why it, why it presses me so hard is because of what I just covered with, with Jesus in the temple. It's like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, why wouldn't I be about my father's business? And so that same question is, is like, are we, when he comes for us, are we going to be about his business? Here's the thing. Time is a thief. It's a thief. When I look at my kids, I'm like, where? I mean, in two years, where did yeah. that child go? I mean, it's just so, so fast. Well, my mom at 83 says, I like Billy Graham says, he goes, she goes, I can't believe I'm 83. It feels yeah. like yesterday that I was 20. Yeah. You know, and you can't freeze time. You can't sit there and let this and let this paralyze you. You you can't say I'm scared that I'm going to make a wrong decision. I'm scared that I'm going to go down the wrong path. And therefore you become paralyzed with fear and you think I just need to freeze time. I just need to hold it on. Yeah. We can't look at our kids and keep them at 10 forever. No. no. We have to just soak up the moment and then embrace the fact that when they get older, it's a new season, and we have to embrace that season. When your daughter turns 16, although you would still like her to be 9 or 2 or a newborn, she's 16. Embrace that moment with her because sooner or later she's going to be 20 and then 30, and you're going to wish she was 16. Here's, what, here's the thing is we often misconstrue what's important for what's it, it's significant in our lives, and what I mean by that is... These things that are significant in our day, you know, from something as simple as social media to a tiff we had with our spouse or whatever, really they're insignificant and unimportant. They're not really prioritized um, as things that we're really called to do. And we spend so much time and energy and focus and money on the wrong things, so think about like what's what has been weighing on you what what's important to you right now is that really what's going to be significant in the big picture is that really what's significant in the kingdom is it really what's significant to your whole life and being about your father's business Billy Graham repeated the word now over and over yeah. again mm-hmm. and I wrote it down and I immediately saw it as an acronym and I thought to myself no other way N-O-W, no other way. No other way than now. Do it now. <laughs> I don't, look, if there's something on your heart, if there's something you need to do, do it now. There's no other way. There's no other perfection. There's no other list. There's no other instruction. There's no, just do it now. Does that mean that we, we don't get something to model after and we and we put it into, in, into practice, into play? I, we want to do that. We want to make sure mm-hmm. that when we're doing it, we're doing it, we aren't doing it foolishly or aimlessly. You know, that's, you know, that's just a wisdom, you know. But the same thing is just do it now. There's no other way than now. And the gospel is sufficient. So if we start there... And we understand that we're about our father's work and then we get really clear on what that is, which takes, it's going to take discipline, you guys. It's it's going to take a lot of discipline. And I say you guys, and I'm talking to my husband and I both, it's going to take us saying no to things that we are saying yes to. And these are micro yeses. They're not big yeses. They're the little things that get in the way on a day-to-day basis. The The menial tasks that we make big deals out of, you know, the 
the little things that we spend so much time on. I just think about 10 years ago or whatever it was when social media really wasn't part of our lives. How much more productive were we? How much more productive were we when we didn't have the world's conversations in our head all day long, stopping us from connecting with God, stopping us from knowing what our work is? Think about how much easier it would be to say no to those distractions when you're clear about doing your father's work. Like if I was super duper crazy clear over what that is, it'd be really easy for me to not reach for reach for you know my phone or look for a distraction or or sedate myself or pick up a glass of wine or whatever. That's why that's what he means by being of sober mind. Yeah, I mean it doesn't just mean not drinking yourself into an oblivion. Sober mind, clear minded, clear, mm-hmm. clear. Nothing else getting in the way of him communicating with you. Amen. His word. All right. So we know the urgency of now. We, we've, we've put a little bit of urgency in you by listening to that Billy Graham podcast. Now we're going to spend the last 15 minutes of this show uh, going over some things that will help you to say yes and be more confident and what that means to say yes. Yeah. I stumbled upon a great article on lifehack.org, and I hope I'm saying his name right. I'm going to share it with you. The author's name was Dave Cornthwaite. And it's funny because his profile says after quitting his job as a really bad graphic designer, he decided to fall in love with Mondays and and spend the the better part of the next decade being a professional adventurer, you know, and he he wanted to pursue things and say yes to more things. So he gave uh, an article here. It says the 12 things that happen when you say yes more. Okay, this is lifehack.org. 12 things that happen when you say yes more. I'm not going to go over all 12, but I'm going to give you the short introduction of what he says, and we'll pick out just three, and Angelique and I will riff on that. He writes here, he says, as a human, you're the only creature on the planet capable of actively developing yourself. Mm-hmm. Every time you do something new, you grow. And however rich life has been so far, there is much, much more to come as long as you give yourself a chance. In other words, Stevie Winwood, when you see a chance, take it. Okay, He says, saying yes opens a door for something new to happen. And if saying yes becomes a habit for you, okay, if it becomes a habit for you, you'll have way more opportunities. In fact, saying yes will leave you with so many options that you'll also have to say no to more because you'll, you'll always have this glass half full and you'll always have so many opportunities. Okay, now what are some of the things that he says saying yes can do? I love the first one, Ange, because it's kind of my jam. Saying yes makes you more interesting, okay? <laughs> as a storyteller, as a teacher of stories, yeah. if you don't say yes to more things, if you don't have more adventure, guess what? Your stories will be boring. I, 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 I almost am too much of a victim of this because I have a story for everything. I've said <laughs> yes to so many different things. and I've, I've had a storied life, and I have... Interesting. I believe I have interesting stories. I mean, Andrew, you've heard them. I've heard them. Um, and he many says, times. He says it repetitively. May, <laughs> it may take a little bit of time, but when you have a different experience to talk about every time you catch up with your friends, not only do you have new tales to talk, right. but as time goes on, you will become more rounded, more articulate, and more knowledgeable. In other words, your sphere of influence and your degree of experience in life will give you a bevy of things to draw on to make you interesting and help you to fit in in any conversation. I always say, Angelique, don't be a what? 
Do you remember? A one-trick pony. pony. Do not be a one-trick pony. Do not be myopic. Get out there, okay? Become more interesting. Do you love it or what? I do. I I think about um, just how many times you've done this exercise with your speak-up clients and, you know, all the things they have to write down in terms of accomplishments and stuff, and that's the thing. Like, we have to continue doing that. And what did, the other day we were out um, – I forget where we were heading, but we were in the car with the girls and we, David and I were exchanging stories, you know, some different season of our lives. And and I was like, geez, what, what's going to happen to stories? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, what, what are we going to do? We're going to, we're sitting around there for, Hey gosh, 20 years ago when I was sitting around on making a reel with my friends, you know, or on scrolling TikTok, you know, there's just not what's happening. <laughs> What is happening? We're missing out on these exchanges and experiences because we're just we're ta- again the bandwidth is is overloaded with the wrong things and it's a continual distraction and it's just growing and it's getting bigger and it's going to take a lot of discipline for us to pull away from that so that we can be more interesting. Be more interesting, amen. And right now you're starting to think you're listening. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you out there. There's things that are going through your head already going, oh, I should have, yes, I know exactly what he's talking about. I should say yes to this. I always wanted to do this, but I've been waiting. I've been waiting for the prompt and it's not come. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's some other things. This is what I love. I love being more interesting. The second thing, Angelique, you know that I love, I love to talk about confidence, Mm -hmm. building confidence. Saying yes skyrockets your confidence, according to this article. Remember the last thing you said yes to and the one before that? Of course you do. You're still alive. In fact, you feel more alive, and suddenly you're not just waiting for opportunities but creating them. Saying yes to cool stuff becomes second nature to you. You'll talk to more people, which in turn you'll lead to new offers and ideas. You'll feel less scared than ever before, more willing to take risk. As your field of vision opens up and your eyes shine brighter, confidence begets confidence begets confidence. But it's uncomfortable. Super uncomfortable. You're going to get uncomfortable. And think about leading your kids, you know? When our kids were getting ready for this first tournament, of course they were scared. Of course they were nervous. Ella goes, is it normal for my heart to be beating this fast? Oh, I know. And we said, of course, because that means what? You're alive. Yeah, I told her. It's like, that's the, here's the thing where we mistake this too. Let's just talk about, you know, being a turned on body. Um, That feeling that we, we often equate with fear. Look, it's, if you want to just look at it um, physiologically, it's the same adrenaline (laughs) it's the same hormone pumping through your body it's the same physiological response it's how we're going to interpret it like what meaning do we put behind it where's it coming from is the the real question now i'm not suggesting that you go say yes to walking down a dark alley you know in a really bad neighborhood that's stupid what we're talking about is saying yes to different things that build confidence in the direction that you you want to do or you you feel called to, or it feels exhilarating yep. and exciting, but you're scared out of your mind. Do you remember Do you remember John C. Maxwell a couple of years ago at a conference? He said he was backstage with a guy, and the guy was his first time speaking, and the guy goes to John C. Maxwell, he goes, I'm going to crush this. <laughs> and Maxwell's <laughs> telling this story, and he goes, inside my head I was thinking, no, you're not. You're probably not. It's your first time. You know, like, you, you, need, you need some tread on the tires. I mean, you could have done good for your first time, but let's face it. You know, the first time you throw a baseball, the first time you throw a football, the first time you roller skate, the first time you ride a bike, very rarely do you get up and do it great. No. You're going to need confidence. You're going to need to build that. Mm -hmm. I remember a year ago, my friend called me and said, uh, 
this Carrie Lake is running for governor out here in Arizona, and she needs uh, she's looking for a guy to speak on manhood and and how to be a, a strong leader as a father and a husband. And I recommended you to her. Would you be willing to do it? <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, I was nervous, right? Yeah. I mean, that that was a big opportunity, but I said yes right away. Now, there was another time when I was asked to speak at Bridgestone Arena for our company in front of 15,000 people. And I'm back there in the green room and nobody's around me. And what happens is, like Angelique Leek said, physiologically, your body goes through things. Your mouth gets really dry when you're nervous for most people. So what do you do? You drink water. Yeah. What happens when you drink a lot of water? Oh, you don't have to drink water. You just pee a ton. I mean, I must have peed. I'm not even kidding. I probably peed between five and seven times in the last 15 minutes that I went out on stage. Yeah, totally normal. And here's the thing. You're your, taking your body, a risk. Your body wants to evacuate it on, all. <laughs> on either of those situations, you're taking a risk. There's a good chance. You could, you know, there's all no guarantee. Yeah. And, and that's what brings us to the next one. Failure becomes okay. Mm-hmm. When you say yes to more thing, failure has to become okay. And the author says there will always be moments when you're scared to fail or that people tell you that you're not in route to success. But even when your latest adventure doesn't quite come off the way you prepared for it, you have the ability to dust yourself off and say, I did it. I'm, I'm better for having chosen to take the risk because the next time I'll be that much better. Because what other people classify as failure shouldn't matter to you because this is your life and you have the opportunity to do what you want with that. Tom Brady can go out and throw an interception and go back to the sidelines and pout and get mad like another guy named Aaron Rodgers does typically. Or he can go back to the sidelines and say, you know what, I'm going to get out there the next time and come right down the field. There's a difference between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady has, I think, what, six or seven Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers has one. I always talk about posture and how you handle failure. Yeah. I, uh, I'm sorry if you're a Green Bay Packers fan and you love Aaron. I love the Packers. I don't mean to bag on him. He's a fantastic quarterback. I loved Dan Marino, who is a fantastic quarterback. But there's a difference between a great quarterback and a great leader. Mm-hmm. Okay? There's a difference between, and it's usually how you handle adversity. What's your body language look like? Are you pouting? Are you sulking? Or are you saying, I'm going to use this opportunity to get better? Okay, Dave Cornthwaite says, saying yes is just as much about putting yourself in a position to accept that not everything's going to go perfect, but that's okay. That's okay. Success isn't owning a big fancy car. It isn't wake up each day knowing that you're going to, it's just waking up knowing each day, knowing that you're going to give your best effort. Okay, you have to be okay with failure. We with me here. How many times we have a, uh, about time for two more? These are, I think these are awesome. Again, I found it on lifehack.org. Ooh, I'm getting excited here. Let me slow down. Breathe. Okay, Breathe. this is so good. This is kind of leads into what we just said. Breathe. By saying yes, I'll go with my radio voice. By saying yes, you get better at everything. We just said you get notches on your belt. Every time Ella went out there and she fought her first fight ever in a, in a tournament, and she lost. Mm-hmm. And and she, immediately the next day she woke up practicing again. Immediately, and she goes, "Dad, should I should I do the same thing?" And I go, "If you do the same thing and you don't listen to the way mom coached you and your master coached you, then you're going to run into the same failure. You get better by watching film. Mm-hmm. And when I was a sports reporter and I was covering the covering the Bucks, what happens is after a Sunday game, they take off on Monday. It's a day off. They come in on Tuesday in shorts and t-shirts. And what do they do Watch all film. day long? 
Hours of film. Hours of film in slow motion. What did our master tell Ella to do? Go home, tell your dad to run the film in slow motion, see what you did. It's not just about the physical part. Mentally, you have to get better. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's, there's, that's why I was saying before, when we talk about saying yes, that doesn't mean you go out aimlessly punching the air. You know, the Bible even talks about that. Like, with with beating the air without with without a goal, you know, without strategy. Strategy is important. Even God gave Noah instructions, and they were very, very, very specific. He didn't just say, build an ark, good luck. So if we're going to get those instructions on what it is that we need to be doing and saying yes to, then make sure that you have the discipline and, and, and at the same time the, the perseverance to push through when you feel like you fell down. You're like, I must have missed the call. I must have done something. I, I did something wrong, so I'm just going to give up. Ella has a really unique quality because she she lost that sparring match. She won first place in form. She smashed it. But then she lost the sparring match, which is one of her like strong points. And the girl that she lost to was very, very, very good. Very, very, very good. And Ella was like, I hope I see her in the next tournament. And I was like, that's, not, that's a rare rare quality because most people would be like i don't want to go up against that person again because when they get knocked down they don't want to meet the same obstacle they don't want to meet the same giant but her confidence soared because she was like i'm not gonna let that happen again you know and that comes from years of just you know coaching her and you know working with her but it's also innate and she's very clear-headed on on who she is and who she's called to be and of course I like to say that comes from parenting as well. Um, but here's the thing. Like, we can do this for ourselves. We can do this for ourselves. It's just, you know what? It's harder as adults because we got more crap yeah. to contest with. And, and you can't tell your kids to do it. Some of you out there are really good. And, and sometimes we see this in ourselves. We're sitting there telling our kids to do this, do that, do that. And mm-hmm. are we doing it? You know? Just like if you had a boss that says, do this and do that. Have you ever looked at your boss and said, well, why aren't you doing right, that? Right, right. Right? I mean, we follow people that set a good example. That's what a true leader does. Yeah, and your children start calling you out on it. Yeah. All right, and so let's get to the next one. We start talking about one of my favorite things was conviction, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about conviction. What's the other thing on the on the front of my workbook? It starts with a C. Conviction and? Courage. Courage, and there's one other thing. Confidence. Connection. Oh, connection. Connection. Sorry, you have lots of Cs. <laughs> lots of Cs. Here's a brilliant point about saying yes. You begin to realize the kindness of strangers and connection. Stranger danger is a cold war myth, he says. You're a stranger to most people, and you're not so bad. So give everyone else the benefit of the doubt. Saying yes will mean you find yourself in brand new surroundings with people you've never met before. And more than likely, you're going to need some help to get where you need to be. So just when you're feeling down, like maybe this yes wasn't such a good idea, something will happen, and it's likely to come in the form of a helping hand. Strangers are just friends waiting for things to happen, and if you approach them with gusto and you see color in the grayest of moments and start to push your limits, you'll be amazed at who you meet. And one of the things I used to do in my speak-up class, and I'm going to reincorporate it, is this is pre-COVID, is I used to have them go out, and I said, go to a public place. Now, be safe, right? I mean, stranger day. We, we live in different times now. So, yeah. again, I have to feel like there's an asterisk here. But um, 
I do believe in this. Go to a public place and find one of the most intimidating looking people that you can find. <laughs> and and try and strike up a friendly conversation with them and see where it goes. Do you remember that day I did that in Arizona and I went up to some guy who was six foot eight? I mean, just a big old dude. And I and I started complimenting him. I think just on his sneakers. You know, you start with a compliment. And him and I became, uh, you know, we were not business partners, but we certainly did a lot of events together. We we broke bread together. Uh, we counseled each other. We had a great relationship. And Who all of it. Talking about. Big guy from Arizona. Are you just leaving him nameless right now? Yeah, I mean, oh, okay. just, just, just the you know, we. Yeah. I did an event with him. We spoke with him. Yeah, we broke bread with him. Um, and it's just, it was just a guy that normally I would be like, mm, I don't know. I mean, we find people intimidating for all sorts of reasons. Some of us call ourselves introverts. You know, Angelique labels herself as an introvert. 100%. I take every opportunity when I leave the house every single day to practice connection. And and again, these days it's easier than ever because they're wearing it on their shirt. I saw a lady in the grocery store that said, dog mom. I said, what's your dog look like? She started telling me about this rescue. I mean, we talked for 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, there's people are begging for a connection, and you never know who you're going to run into when you say yes to a conversation, who's going to bless your life. You just never know. Yeah, I, I am an introvert. I, I I mean, you're probably listening, if you're listening to this stall and you think here I am the person that says what's on my mind, um, I'm definitely more of an extroverted introvert, but I don't allow myself to live by those labels, you know. Um, sure, I gravitate towards, you know, being a little bit more quiet uh, in certain settings. And then um, when I'm in settings where I, you know, need to be, connected and conversational I am um, but it exhausts me it totally exhausts me so if that's what you're feeling and you're listening to this stuff and talking about saying yes and looking for opportunities and feeling that fear and and kind of shrinking back and saying how could I possibly do that and is God really calling me into this place I mean remember he's gonna he's going to equip you um, he he qualifies you you know um, the thing is, is that we, we have a choice, you know, like I have a choice. I could say, well, I'm just really introverted. And then I just don't allow myself in those situations. I don't come out of my shell. I don't speak on a podcast. I don't put myself in front of groups. I don't lead calls. I don't confidently do this or that. You know, again, I could literally go with what my flesh tells me uh, that I am or that I'm feeling, um, or I could remember who I am and, and deal with it. And that's, 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 I mean, oh gosh, could that be any more relevant than what's going on in the world in general? Yeah, man. Come on. Bring I mean, it. bring it, bring it. Just because I feel like something some days doesn't mean that I am that something. We're just, we're filling our minds with everybody else's crap. And we're, these are the micro yeses. You know what? Yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to try that on for the day, week, month, year, rest of my life. I mean, if that were the case, think about how how destroyed marriages have been because of they went on feelings alone. Love doesn't feel, it does. Amen. Love does not feel, it does. There's a lot of things I don't feel. I don't I don't feel like doing a lot of stuff. For myself, my husband, my kids, my home, my business. I don't feel like it. But it's a, it's what we're called to. 
And when we get called to doing something and we say yes to that because it's our responsibility, not a worldly responsibility, a godly one, we realize what we need to be grateful for in those moments. And that gratitude then opens up his favor. His favor then gives us more clarity. And that more clarity leads to, leads to a more uh, you know, favorable life, a more abundant life. Mm-hmm. But we're missing, we're missing the first steps. We do things out of order. The proximity is disrupted. The connection, you know, is, is bogged down. And we're saying yes to all the wrong things. And it's starting to disrupt the order, disrupt your ability to hear from him, disrupt your ability to take those steps, disrupt the ability to live in the book that he has written for you because we know that he knows every single hair on your head. And we know that he knitted you inside of your mother's womb. And if he knows those things, and we know those, I mean, geez. <laughs> yep. Everything, we're always talking about, well, I'm trying. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. What about I'm trusting? If there's power and death on our tongue, what about the word trusting? I trust God. I trust God that, that he's called me to this. I trust God that, that he's going he's gonna to equip me for this business. I, I trust God for our marriage. I trust God for that child. I trust God for this season. I trust God for my healing. Not I'm trying to do my business or I'm trying to to fix my marriage or I'm trying with my kid or I'm trying with this new assignment or I'm trying to heal my body. Like, hey, man, we got things that we have to do practically. I understand that. But it starts with trust and we've missed that important step and we ended up saying yes to the wrong thing. Mm. Well, I love what you just said. Um, I'm going to give them one more thing. I, I want you to think about this. I'll give you some sec- some time here. Um, after I give you this last one, I'm going to ask Angelique to to end this in a prayer of of oh, saying yes. Was putting me on the spot. Well, I'm giving you some time, and I just want you to think about it. I want you to think about what what you hear from God and what you think uh, the message is about saying yes in a godly way. So I'm, I'll give this last one. And I, I want to give another shout-out to the author of this article, Dave Cornthwaite. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, I want to give credit where credit is due. Again, it's a great article on lifehack.org. And I'll just state this last one. There are many that I didn't get a chance to go over, but this last one kind of brings us full circle into what Billy Graham says, and it ties everything uh, in a nice little bow. And this last one is the world, when you say yes, the world just starts to make sense. Okay? Author says, remember when you were a kid and you thought your 25-year-old teacher was a full-blown adult, like they totally had everything sorted out. And then you got to 25 and realized, wow, you're still figuring things out. Well, that doesn't ever change. There will always be questions we can't answer, and part of understanding that is what makes this world revolve is accepting that we don't have control over everything. But what we are is we are capable of influencing our own decisions and the happiness of the people around us, right? We, we have that autonomy. We are given free will. We can do this. And nothing matters much more than how you will make other, feel, other people feel when you go through life. So if, if you can make the world make more sense and you can go through life saying yes to more, think about what it's going to do to the people around you, especially the kids in your home, the people that you work with. They're going to see that. They're going to use that for an example. The longer we spend on this wonderful planet, the better we get to know our place in it, and the value of that place is multiplied by your willingness to learn and experience as much as you dare. You have to multiply the things that you can do in life, multiply your opportunities, and multiply the favor 
when you say yes to more and when you invite God's wisdom, like we said earlier, when you open your ears and you get the wax out and you are quiet and you ask God, speak to me, I'm listening, and I'm not going to need you to come through that door and, and, and bang it down and pick me up off this couch and put me exactly where I want to be, but I will listen to you quietly, I will listen to you patiently, and I will obey the promptings that you put on my spirit, and I will be in the word so I don't get confused with other things that are trying to get to me. Okay, if you just listen and you just open and you're not specific about being in the Word of God in the Bible, then you have to be careful for uh, false idols and things that could enter. So it's a two-part thing there. But say yes to more, my friends, and use your discernment, please. Angelique. Heavenly Father, we're going to exchange our try for your trust. We're going to exchange our no, not now for your yes. And we're going to exchange the, I'll put it off for the now. God, we're going to trust in your yes for the now. We're going to put your word before the world. We're going to realize that the opportunities that you have imparted upon our hearts are the yeses that you have for us that we've been saying no to for far too long. And we're going to believe that when we move, the Holy Spirit moves. And that when we are in step with you, Lord, that you're going to open up doors that no man can close. And that confidence that we think that we can try to build on our own is going to be built through a confidence that only you can give us and a peace that only you can give us. That's beyond any human understanding. So, Father, we thank you right now for every single one of these listeners. We thank you, God, for the word that you have given us. We thank you, God, for the clarity. We thank you for the growth in our proximity to you. We thank you for removing distractions from our lives and the things that have pulled us away. We thank you for the seemingly important things that are really seem really insignificant in our lives in the big picture. And we just we pray, Lord God, right now that as we draw closer to you, that you draw closer to us because you've been there all along. In Jesus' name, amen.